ready to worship? Yes. Would you stand with us? Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We say, come. God, we are here to worship you together in this place, in this temple. And we worship you. We praise you as king. Come, Lord Jesus.
My name's been carved upon your heart. No, not death, no, not hell.
been on my spirit, on my heart all week. I'm just going to share it. You noticed every song we're doing today is an old song. It might have a new twist to it, but it's an old song. And I just felt like as I was in prayer this week that God wants to outpour a special blessing on a generation that has been giving much of themselves for the younger generation. up many of the things they love just to advance the kingdom and that is honorable so if you grew up singing these songs in Christ alone Lord I need you nothing but the blood of Jesus how great thou art would you just put out your hands and receive a blessing today Jesus
the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of on flesh, the fullness of God in helpless space, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of
outside in your presence so oh, the weather is perfect in your presence in the throne room with all the angels and all the elders bowing before the king we're bowing before the king oh, there is healing of every trauma Oh, my Savior God, too. 
God, the things that never belong to us because they never belong to you. So just in the spirit, can we just let go this morning? Just let go. Just let go. Whatever it is, just let go. God said, today you're holy. Today you're new. Today you're full. Today you're mine. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. You are so good. You are so good. We love you. We praise you. We worship you in this house. Everybody just lift up the name Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You are enough. Today, Jesus, we just worship you. We thank you that today you lead us directly into the presence of the Father. That every baggage that was brought in, we leave at the altar. Every hurt, every pain, and we receive today every healing you have in your name, Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Mm. Paid it all, amen. <laughs> uh, he he lacks nothing. And the, the good news is he said, I've given it all to you. I've poured out every spiritual blessing. So be blessed today. So hey, as as we uh, move forward, a few quick announcements. One, if you're just joining us, we thank you that you could be part of our family this morning. We do ask that following service, if you'd stop out at the Welcome Center, we'd love to get your information just because we do want to be connected with you. I'm going to invite Pastor Jordan up, but I would ask you to watch this video as he comes. Thank you. What if your story is never heard? What if the testimonies of God's goodness, miracles, and salvation remain unshared and untold? Your children, your neighbors, and your family wouldn't know about the good things God has done. Your story matters. Your story is our story. It's God's story of redemption, grace, mercy, and kindness. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, God through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Your story of God's grace matters. Your story matters. How many believe your testimony, your story matters, right? So I have six people who are ready to do this video shoot for me this week. And how many were here two years ago with the My Story sermon series? I, how many remember that jaw-dropping moment when John Farmwald was like, and this is my son? And I was like, pile of tears, right? Like, where's the tissue box, you know? Uh, so that is always very moving. Uh, my dad used to do something very similar. I'm stealing his idea. Uh, it was called Living Banners. And now we just call this live, uh, My Story. And, uh, but I wanted to play that because you might have a powerful testimony uh, that I don't know about. Actually, I would, I would assume so. Uh, I can't tell you the number of times I have been to your house or you've been to my house and I say, tell me your story. And then I'm just shocked not knowing what God has brought you through. And so um, if you could just be praying about that, maybe you'd like to be a part. Uh, maybe your heart's kind of beating right now and, and God's speaking to you. Will you talk to me after service uh, or send us a, a message through our website and uh, let me know if you'd like to tell your story? Because here's the thing, I want you to not miss this. When people hear your story, 
they realize if God can do it for them, God can do it for me. And this is very powerful, special, especially in today's medium of video, because there's there'll be a lot of people who will see it online, and you never know who sees that video, and then out suddenly they want to give their heart to God. Okay, Amen. Um, real quick, we have uh, you know two two quick things. Is Stand Sunday is next week. How many of you guys saw the videos the last two weeks about Orphan Sunday or Stand Sunday as it's now called? Uh, I have been so blessed, so thankful for you guys um, that we put out these 55 cards and they were all taken and I didn't get a chance to take one. So I was pretty bummed. So I asked Christine, I said, Christine, can you put out the cards again? And maybe we could give every teenager $100 in a blessing. She's like, sure. And so now they're almost all gone again. So there's only about 10 left out there which is a good problem. Uh, but these are the names of teenagers uh, in care in Trumbull County. How many believe Jesus knows their name? Right? I, I, was, I stood out there this, uh, this week as I came in. I started reading some of the names. And, I mean, I was just moved to tears. It just hit me. They, these are kids that may or may not, right, be celebrating a Christmas with a family. And so I, I really want to encourage you Pick up a card. It's a very easy way for you to just dip your toe in the water. Uh, I got to be honest. Can I confess something to you as your pastor? Here's what I'm praying. I'm praying that you get a card, and then you start praying for that teen. The next thing you know, you're like, maybe I could mentor that teen. Maybe I could be a mentor mom or a mentor dad and take them out once a month. You can find out more about that in that little foyer, uh, little area in the foyer, and uh, that would be cool. How many of you guys think that would be cool? We can get them all taken care of, all blessed. Um, also, Operation Christmas Child, that, as you know, is due next week. We have a big goal, guys, 500. Everybody say 500. Listen, my kids, I got four kids plus Lucas, and they all walked out with a box last week. I was like, girls, I can't afford that. And then Selah said, well, we got to get 500. You know, Nate said so. I said, all right, Fine. And I realized I only have four boxes. So I came in, I got convicted, and I came in and picked up a box. Uh, so thank you, Nate. I'll be broke. Appreciate it. Um, last thing is uh, before we go into um, something that Noel and the team have planned, I want to let you know we've had some, some real loss here this last week. And I just want to pray for these families. You know, we don't, we're not always able to do that, as you can imagine, in a church um, this size with about 350 here that call this church in Cortland about 150. We can't do it every week, but this week we were hit with a little bit more loss than usual. So how many know Randy Partridge's father? He had been taking care of him for months in a beautiful way, being very Christ-like. He passed on, and as you know, last week some of you heard about uh, Chris Johnson. His cancer had come back. He went to be with the Lord, and then yesterday we uh, lost uh, Nikki Culver's sister named Candy, and it was a tragic accident, an unknown uh, thing, possibly a heart attack. And so can we just go to the Lord right now? Can you just bow your heads with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we know that you know that their pain. God, you are right with them. God, your word says that you are near to the brokenhearted. God, that you are right there with them in the valley. Lord, I think of the time when you lost John the Baptist, your cousin, your predecessor, a ministry partner and friend. And Lord, you are familiar with grief. Isaiah tells us that. 
a man of many sorrows. So, Father, I thank you that you are with us in our pain. We lift up right now the Culvers, the Rasmussens, God, the Partridges, the Johnsons. Father, every family, we lift them up right now. We place them before your throne, and we ask you to give them peace. Can everybody just say peace with me? God, I ask you to give them supernatural peace, peace that passes understanding, peace that goes beyond comprehension, that even in the midst of grief, they can feel your presence, the peace of your presence. I pray that your people would surround them in blessings, Lord, not just in prayer, but with meals. I thank you for already of what I always hear, God, about the life group members taking the meals, God, the church family taking the meals. But we pray that that would continue, God, that you would continue to show your love through your people. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Um, I want to, I will do offering right before the sermon. How about that? We'll invite up Noel or the team right now, whoever, yeah. Give a big hand to Noel. She is a close friend and a, a deacon here. Mick. <laughs> He's awesome for joining me today. So he took skydiving lessons off a ladder this week, and this is what happens when you do that. So... Anyways, uh, my name is Noel, and this is my friend Mick, and we are both deacons here at Rock of Grace, which basically means that we get to help Jordan love the church, which we love to do. And I just have the privilege to um, introduce this special day, and I really love this day because it's just such a privilege to be able to honor our pastor and his wife and the staff. And so I know this is always a little awkward for them, but this is super important. So right now I'm going to ask them to come forward. We're going to step forward a little bit, Mick. You guys are just going to line here. I need Pastor Jordan, Danielle, Nate and Christine, Tim. Can you, can you do that, Tim? Can you walk away from there? Will, Tabitha, is Michelle Moran here? If anybody knows where Michelle is, you can grab her. Uh, Pastor Mark and Pam are not able to join us. Um, let's see who's missing here. Is that everybody that's here today? Awesome. Thanks, guys. Oh, we got another set of crutches here. What's going on? All right. Let's move over here. They can see them. Um, I just want to share just for a second from my heart, and then Mick has something he wants to share. If you guys could just give us 10 minutes of your time. Um, Psalm 133 says that, um, God's blessing is upon unity in the church. It says that he loves when brothers and sisters live together in unity and it actually says that it's like fresh dew. It's like fresh dew. It's just so refreshing. And at the very end, it says um, that God pours out his blessing upon unity. And the reason why this is so important is they have been given a special assignment from the Lord to care for the flock, the spiritual well-being of us has been assigned to them. And so their health, how they feel spiritually, emotionally, mentally is super important. And by the way, they are probably under um, 
a lot more attacked than we are because of that. So we just need to constantly pray for them. And they're also, their lives are like in a fishbowl where we all get to look at them and see them and look at their children and their marriages. And so the health of them is very important. And so it really is a privilege for us to take a moment, as uncomfortable as it is for them, to bless them and to encourage them. And, you know, just this week I read an article that says that, um, that there are pastors who are leaving the pulpit by the droves right now because they can't handle the pressure of all that's going on with COVID and closing and opening, and it's just too much, and they're walking away. And then I also just, I talked to a friend this week who I had coffee with, and she was just sharing, like, the difficulty that it's been. Her her church hasn't opened back up yet because it's just too much pressure. Thank you, Michelle, for joining us. Um, The pressure of making decisions of what's best for everybody is just too hard. And so I know this has been hard for all of our pastors and staff, and I am just so appreciative for them being courageous and and stepping forward and being prayerful in how we have done this. And so I just want to take a minute, and I just want to read um, two scriptures uh, from 1 Timothy 5.17. It says, the elders who direct the affairs of the church are worthy of double honor. And we just want to pour out double honor and blessing upon all of you for the burden that you care, carry for us so that we can be healthy. We just bless you in Jesus' name. And 1 Thessalonians 5 says, acknowledge those who work among you, who care for you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard for their work. And I personally don't know anybody who has been a pastor during a pandemic. (laughs) except for this group right here. So um, I just want to take a minute to thank them and love you guys. And we have a special gift. I'm going to hand the phone to Mike, but as I'm, or I'm going to hand the mic to Mick. No phone. And as I'm doing that, we have um, some special gifts that are being brought forward by our deacons and some extra helpers that we grabbed. So when uh, Noel told me she was organizing this, the first scripture that popped into my mind happens to be a, a scripture that I think has been the uh, foundation of, of the many years of leadership we had here. And the scripture is Philippians 4.8. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are holy, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue... If there be any praise, think on these things. But the Greek for that last statement is not think, but it's fix. The Greek says, fix in your mind these things. And I think all of our leadership, I think that's, that's uh, the foundation of, of what, they, what they live. They don't, don't only think, but these things are fixed, not only in their mind and in their hearts. And because of that, I think that that's one of the reasons why we've had such great leadership. Lastly, as I invite Pastor Ed Homer forward, if everybody could just step forward to about here, push your baskets up a little, or step in front of your basket. Um, We're going to invite just um, the deacons and their spouses, trustees and their spouses, elders to just kind of come behind them. And I just kind of want to form a wall behind them. I just want a wall all the way across behind them. Yep, You guys might have to move forward just a little bit more, Pastor Jordan. 
And uh, before I hand this microphone to Ed, I just want to say that um, as I was reading about unity and the importance of unity and just us surrounding them in unity, Ephesians 4 says that the body of Christ is built up as each part does their work. As each part, as each one of them does their work, the body of Christ is built up. And as we do our part, and because no part is greater than the other, we all have a special part. We are all built up together. And so as we lift them up, as we build them up, as we encourage them, as we speak no negativity over our church, over our staff, as we just pour love and blessing, God will be glorified here. And I love those little church signs all over. I see them in people's yard that says, we love our church. I love those. I just want to start saying that. We love our church. We love our pastors. We love our staff. Yes, Jesus is on the throne. We love him. He's first. But we love our church. We love our staff. We love our pastors. Since I'm here, I might as well preach a couple minutes here. <laughs> hey, you do it when you can, right? <laughs> Get up here. <clears throat> when Pastor Jordan talked this morning about, uh, or was it Ben, a man of sorrows, it just hit me what Jesus must have felt like. <clears throat> Sorry. What Jesus must have felt like being in the image of God, coming to the earth, and he came unto his own, and his own received him not. Do you know what that must have made him feel like? And his own received him not. But to as many as received him, he gave the right to become the sons of God. But before Jesus went back, he instituted what we call the church. He breathed on them. And then he sent them into the world. Now, they don't feel exactly the entire pressure of Jesus. But they do feel the rejection of the world, and they are called to reach out to them. They are called to reach out to those who want no part of God. They're reaching out to the uh, kids who have no homes. And there's a scripture that says, do not give up. If we do not give up, we will reap And that should be our, our, uh, our prayer for every one of these pastors, their wives, and their children, that their children will grow up in a home that sees the privilege of serving the one that came into the world. And though he was rejected, he did not give up, but he reaped a harvest. We are that harvest. We are his inheritance Jesus went to the throne uh, to the cross because he foresaw every one of us because Jesus didn't give up. Sometimes he prayed so hard the angels had to come and strengthen him to help him get to the cross. 
you and I have to strengthen these people that we call pastors and encourage them. Don't worry, the, the, the world will take care of any pride. They're not going to get prideful if you tell them how much you appreciate them, how much you love them, and then we show that, not just for today. So I'd like everyone here to stand up. And uh, before I pray, I just want you to give them the best clap offering you can give. These are God's gifts to every one of us. Can we do that? Come on, a good one. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, for every one of them. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you. Would you extend your hand toward them? I thank you in the name of Jesus for these pastors whom you've called. For Pastor Jordan and Danielle, for Ben and Christina, for Will and Tabitha, for Christine and Nate, and for all of the staff members. Lord, these are gifts to us. Thank you. We pray a hedge of protection around them. We pray that you would help us watch the words we say about them and the work of God. And we pray a richer anointing that would be theirs as they go out into the world. And may they remember that, that you didn't give up, and you will help them so that they don't give up. They don't have to leave the ministry because you are there to help them. And so we pray a protection for their children, God, that their children will love the faith. They will love the church. They will love the people of God. And we pray, Lord, that uh, not just today, but every day, we will remember to pray for them and to encourage them and to exalt them. Lord, we love them, but we know you love them more. So we just give you all the praise and all the glory. And everyone said, amen. I bless you. You may be seated. Can I have my helpers back up here to grab these baskets to take them back out to the lobby for those coming for second service? Thank you. First Corinthians two sixteen, We have the mind of Christ. Everyone who is in Christ is a new creation. So why is it so many of us Christians fall into the mind traps of condemnation and comparison? Condemnation says, I'm never good enough. While the truth is, Jesus is and he gives you his righteousness. Comparison says, I'm good. In fact, I'm better than you. While the truth is only Jesus is good and he gives you his righteousness by giving you grace to believe in. Where does God's work of grace begin? In our mind? In our heart? Or maybe the two are more connected than we thought. 
You see, the thoughts of our heart determine our actions. Our actions form our habits. Our habits reveal who we are. Therefore, our thoughts equals who we are. Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. This is when we surrender to God. We must allow the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to renew our mind. We all need the mind of Christ to live in the freedom and the peace that Christ Jesus paid for on the cross. Hopefully that uh, God has been speaking to your hearts throughout this Mind of Christ series. Has anybody been challenged to value compassion, right, over comparison or condemnation? I want to invite up the ushers, and we're going to receive offering. And as you're coming, um, keep in mind, too, the Ketterings. Uh, like I said, it was a hard week, so if I, I failed to mention uh, Pete Kettering, Carol Kettering's uh, husband, as you know, has been battling for quite a while, and he went home to be with the Lord. So keep them just and keep them in prayer. Send them a card. Uh, it would mean a lot. Um, which, let's go ahead and go to the Lord. I know many of you now, because of COVID, are paying online and giving uh, to the Lord your tithes and offerings that way. Uh, but our ushers are here if you'd like to do that uh, in person. Lord, we thank you today for this opportunity to worship you and our tithes and offerings. Our whole life is an expression of worship to you. Be glorified in it in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Well, I am just uh, excited about the way God has been speaking. I knew Pastor Ed might get the mic, so I cut my message from 10 pages to 6. Can I get a witness? Because, you know, if you give Pastor Ed the mic, you just, just walk away, you know. No, I'm just kidding. Really honored. You did an amazing job, as always. And um, if I could just reflect back some, some encouragement. Can we thank uh, our board of deacons and trustees and our elders? Can you give them a big round of applause? Because they are amazing. They've been very supportive, uh, helped me with a lot of these tough decisions this year, and it's just been really, it's priceless to have them in our church. First um, Corinthians 2.16, we're going to pick up right where we left off last week. Uh, this is the verse I've given you every week, though. We have been given the mind of Christ. Can everybody just say the mind of Christ? And what we've said these last three weeks uh, by the way, apart from Pastor Ben preaching, where's Pastor Ben? He did amazing. Can you give him a round of applause? One more clap. I know you probably, a lot of clapping, but he did amazing. And, and uh, I wanted to say that, but these last few weeks, uh, we were talking about the mind of Christ. And we ended last week, we were just about to read Philippians and, and time got away from me. But before we read that, I want to recap this big main point that we left with. One of the greatest gifts God gives you and I is peace, peace of being right with God, the peace that comes in feeling his presence. Now, we know that God is good whether the feeling is there or not, right? Uh, We've talked about that before. But I got to say, I love like David would express his thanksgiving for the peace of God's presence, Young David, who learned that in the fields, that by the time he got into the palace and was asked by King Saul to play before King Saul, he would even bring peace wherever he went. And the, the, the peace of God can fill your hearts and minds and can guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Because how many realize you need to guard your heart and your mind from thinking the wrong thing? How many were here three weeks ago when I randomly threw the tissues out, like the bad thoughts? You got to take them captive under the obedience of Christ, God says. 
And uh, here's the thing. If you don't take your thoughts captive, your thoughts will take you captive and turn you into somebody you don't want to be. Make time for Jesus every day. Every day. Again, this is how we ended last week. I'm not saying uh, get the peace, get the mind of Christ on Sundays. No, I'm saying get the mind of Christ every day. I encourage you guys to read John 15. I don't know if you were able to, but abiding in Christ. Make time for him. Foster that friendship. So many Christians today are struggling with anxiety and worry And they're doing the comparison thing all because they have forgotten that Jesus is their best friend. Jesus is your best friend. Jesus made you for friendship with him. We talk about that often, right? You were made by God for God. And that peace is a result of feeling his compassion, responding to it, and coming to him in communion. So this is where we picked up last week, left off last week, Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Let's read this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, even in 2020. Can I get amen? <laughs> Don't be anxious about anything, even in 2020. I added that phrase. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Everybody say thanksgiving. Remember what we said last week, that the key to getting out of this is gratitude. The key to getting out of those traps is thankfulness for God's compassion. Let me say it again. The key to escaping comparison, which is the lie of pride, right? And condemnation, which is the lie of shame. The key to get out is gratitude for his compassion. Can you say this with me? Gratitude for his compassion. Come on. If anything is excellent, praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And what's the promise? The God of all peace. Everybody say peace. The God of all peace will be with you. Do you want extraordinary grace? How many of you want extraordinary grace given to you? Then give it to others. That's what Jesus says. It'll be pressed down, shaken together, running over. Remember, how many were here about three months ago when I was talking about that verse is not about money? <laughs> I don't know why so many pastors do that. It's not about money. To look at your friends say, it's not about money. It's about grace. He was talking about the difference of being judgmental or grace-giving. And he says, if you are grace-giving, right, if you will give grace to others, if you will not uh, judge them, then God will treat you that same way. And the grace will be pressed down, shaken together, running over. Psalm says he is slow to anger and rich in love. And I just want to be like him. I think we could all be a little bit slower to anger. Slower to post. Can I get a witness? Some of you are like, I have thumbs of fury. I've had enough of the thumbs of fury this year. I want to tell you a little story. I I had read this last week. I found interesting that I thought would tie in well. And I, I want to tell you this story because I want to show you the futility of man, of 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 our mind. How how just quickly 
we will uh, change our minds. Paul, in Acts 27, is arriving. He's on a missionary journey. He's arriving on the island of Malta. And there's this big storm, right? So this nice missionary cruise turns into a bad situation. It turns into this storm. Paul goes and he prays. How many say that's a good idea, right? Okay. Prays, and God gives him a word that no matter what happens to the ship, that everyone's going to survive. Well, everyone does survive. He gets on the land, and they were making a fire for him, for Paul, and, and a snake comes out of the fire and bites him. And in a second, the islander said, oh, he must be from the devil. He's evil. And they just quickly, right? And then they said, watch, we're going to watch him die. And then he shakes it off, and he's fine. They're like, oh, he's a god. Let's worship him. I, I mean, how, how, many of you, have you, how many of you teenagers have seen maybe some friends just go off the rails this year, just like ju judge you and judge somebody else, like in a minute? How many of you adults have seen, right? People can be so fickle, and if we're honest, we can, we can be really fickle too, huh? Right? We can make rash judgments instead of being slow to anger, slow to judge, rich in love. Again, the heart of this series is, as it always is at Rock of Grace, is the gospel that God gave you compassion. So when you see you're sitting around a fire and a missionary comes out and he gets bit by a snake, you might not want to tell him. It must be from the devil. It was Paul. It was literally Paul. <laughs> if they only knew, right? In Mark chapter 2, we read the Pharisees. I'm going to bounce around Scripture a little bit today because I'm, I'm, I'm showing you how quick it is to make wrong judgments instead of uh, thinking through the lens of compassion. In Mark chapter 2, we find the Pharisees caught Jesus. We caught you eating with tax collectors and known sinners. They asked, why would he eat with such sinners? And their words revealed their heart because your words will always reveal your heart. Because what's inside comes out, and especially in any crisis, 2020 has done that. Um, just like if I were to take this water, this is what's on the inside of you. Sometimes you don't know what's in there until all of a sudden it gets bumped. And 2020, how many know we all got bumped? <laughs> right? And suddenly we say, oh, Lord, I need you to help my mind, my thoughts, my heart. And when you feel that conviction, you need to say, Lord, renew my mind. Remember what we said last week, if God can create your mind, he can renew your mind. Right? You see... We humans are, we really do have this hard time thinking right. Isaiah once said that their minds are bent towards evil at all times. What a harsh statement, right? But, man, their minds are bent towards evil at all times. This is why we so desperately need the mind of Christ and the Holy Spirit to remind us of who we are in Christ to lead us into all truth, like John 14 says, right? All, everybody say all truth. Again, so the first and most important thought that you and I have to get right is our view of God. The second most important thought predicated on the first is your view of self. The third and most important thought that you and I have got to get correct is our view of others. And each of these is predicated on the other. 
You see, if I think God is harsh and unloving and unjust, then I won't trust him. I will assume that I know better. And if I assume that I know better than God, then I'll assume I know better than others. And suddenly I'm very judgmental of others. But if I realize God, everybody just say God. God is so rich in love and has shown me compassion, and now I have the correct view of God. I realize who I am. I am simply loved. You know, loved. I, I got a little frustrated about, oh, I don't know, three weeks ago, I heard a pastor on a podcast, and I usually like this guy, but he was venting about these modern worship songs that only sing about how much God loves us. And I thought, man, I, <laughs> I thought if you could realize, though, people, 99% of the bad decisions you make is a result of you not knowing how loved you are. If you knew how loved you were by God, you would not go out and do foolish things. Because those foolish things come out of insecurity, insecurity from a place of not knowing how loved you are. Amen? Man, if I could see how loved I am, and this is what we're going to talk about as we go into this uh, message today, who you are. We said last week, you are saints, you who have accepted Jesus Christ. And if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, if you're online today tuning in, or if you're in the room today and you're tuning in, uh, I just want to tell you, God loves you so much, he sent Jesus to die in your place. You know, in business, what do they say? The, the value of something is determined by what people will pay for it. God paid the ultimate price of giving his son for you. That tells you how much he loves you. That tells you how valuable you are. Turn to someone next to you, even if they're six feet apart, and say, God loves you. And by the way, thank you. You guys have been so gracious. Even though we're still full today, the way y'all are spread out, I just want to say, I, I thank you guys for hearing my letter and my email in grace. It really means a lot to me because we want everybody to feel comfortable coming. Amen? This, we're the body of Christ, and when we sing together, we're the people of God together. And so thank you for being understanding. It means a lot to me. We must remember the grace given to us and what the gospel is. I want to put up uh, kind of an infographic. I know the words are much smaller than I usually use, but um, I'll still read them out uh, to you. What is the gospel, right? The gospel, you can put up that first, the next one. Yeah, it's the good news. And why is it good news? You put up the next one. It's a way to see myself before Jesus as a sinner for who I am. Paul said it like this one time, an enemy of the cross. And we don't like to think of ourselves that way, but before Jesus, we are enemies of the cross. We're bent towards evil, like we said. We, we do selfish things. We, we make bad decisions, and we wonder why, and we live in regret. Let's put up that next one. What does the gospel also do? It's unique and personal. How many realize that there are, there are unique things that God has saved you from? Come on, right? I mean, I love, I love my dad's testimony. He's always talking about the temper that he used to have, which, by the way, I have never seen my dad have a temper. Can you believe that? 37 years. Think about that. I've never seen it once. Isn't that awesome? And this is a guy who said he used to, I won't say on the microphone, break, break the potter's necks if they didn't listen. That's, that's the temper. But Jesus. Everybody say, but Jesus. Right? And so there's things that you 
Satan might have tempted you to do and, and believe about yourself and then therefore identify yourself by. But Jesus' blood covers that sin too. I am so thankful. How many are thankful that his compassion forgives you, right? All right, what's the next one? It's the relational connection between me and Jesus. It's the relational connection. That is the gospel between me and Jesus. I now have communion with God. Some of you have heard me tell this story before. I'm going to tell it real briefly that I was on an airplane one time uh, going down to a conference, and I'll never forget it. This girl saw what I was reading, and I started to share with her that, yes, I was a Christian. And, and uh, I asked her, what I like to ask people that I'm meeting for the first time, what's your favorite uh, scripture? And immediately she said, oh, no, I can't read the scripture. I can't read the Bible. And I said, yeah, yeah, you can. No, I can't. And I said, yes, you can. You can read the Bible. She said, no, I can't. And she said, my, my priest has to read it to me. And I, I started to go back. I said, do you remember when Gutenberg printed the printing press? Do you know that was, that was a ray of light, he says, that he received that revelation. And then Martin Luther used that to spread the word of God throughout all of Germany in two weeks. Oh, no, I can't read it. No, but you have to understand, this is why Jesus came, so you can know God personally. And it's still, it was a wall. And my heart still breaks thinking of that. I would love to tell you the way the story ended, that she just got saved and was crying. And, you know, that didn't happen. That, that wasn't one of those stories. There was a wall. There was a unbelief. There, there was a, a, a belief, I should say, that someone else can know God. And I can talk to him. No, the gospel is you can know God. Bob, you, Maureen, you can know God. Ruth, you can know God. And even kids. Liam, you can know God. Amen? Wow. What is the gospel? Let's do the next one. This is a friend of mine. He does these infographics for me. He's so awesome. Uh, it's called Visual Theology. He does an amazing job. The cure for spiritual blindness. How many realize before the gospel came into your life, you were blind? Right? And sometimes there was a blind person leading you. Right? Wow. And what's the next one? It's objective. It's universal for all people at all times. Listen, I don't care if you're a convict or a Boy Scout. You need the gospel. If you're listening online, I don't care if you are a criminal or you run the Senior Saints Ministry. You need the gospel. And can I say this? You need the gospel every day. Not just the day you, you get saved, which, yes, you're fully saved, but I'm just saying you need reminded of God's compassion and that Jesus gives you his righteousness. Let me use this prayer shawl again. As an impromptu quick thing, because I want you all to understand the gospel is not get your act together. The gospel is that God clothes you with the righteousness of Jesus. Because you're not good enough on your own. Even Bob Pashley. Okay? The man's like, a, like, literally, when you see the saints, come on, when Paul says to all the saints, I just see Bob's face, you know? Even Bob if I could jokingly say, needs the gospel. Every one of you needs the gospel. Amen? So turn to Ephesians now. As we talk about our identity 
as a child of God? Because there's four ways, and I'm only going to give you two this morning, four ways that you can have the mind of Christ. And the first one is the mind, if you're taking notes, as the mind of a beloved son. The mind of a beloved son. Everybody say beloved son. Ephesians 4, verse 15, God gave pastors and teachers. By the way, I did not time that like that on purpose. That is Pastor Appreciation Day. I want you to know that. I wrote that in there two weeks ago, so just ironic. Anyway, we are to grow up. Why? So we can all grow up who is the head or the mind into Christ, from whom the whole body is joined together and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow. Can I pause for a minute? Can I, can I lovingly apply this to you for just a second? There are so many ways you can do this. You can lead a life group. You can serve in the audio booth. But can I tell you an area that we need? We really need, we really need moms to, to serve in nursery and child care. We actually can't offer child care first service for this reason. But how many believe that if you, uh, you know, if you say, you know, I am willing to serve every eight weeks. You know what I'm saying? Um, I would be so thankful for that if you would say, I'm willing to serve and hold those. By the way, I want to say this. Every Billy Graham had a Sunday school teacher or a nursery person loving them. So many times I've heard those stories, right? You never know who you're cradling. And I want to encourage you, go through the path of discipleship and step up and serve so that every single person, why, can be built up in love, it says. Now this I say and testify the Lord, you must no longer walk as Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. There's that word again. They're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. Now, wait a minute. I thought, I thought the mind was different than the heart, right? We make rational decisions with our minds and we... And we feel things with our heart. No, the Bible sees them as interconnected. And so often, God says, the thoughts of your heart. And here's another place. He says, they've become callous and have given themselves to every sensuality, greed, and to every kind of impurity. That is not the way you learn. So let me pause for a second. What's sad to me is sometimes, even a Christian, sometimes someone will give their heart to Christ. And then five years later, seven years later, their heart slowly becomes callous because they're not spending time with God every day. They're spending time with church. And so they come once a week, but they're not developing friendship. Can everybody just say friendship? Maybe put your hands together like this, real cheesy for me. Right? They're not developing this, this unity. You know, you and God. And if you don't do that, then you will gradually become just religious And there's nothing more dangerous than someone who knows religion and knows church, but is now have a hard heart. Assuming, verse 21, that you have heard about him, were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Put off your old self. Do you guys see that action? Put off your old self. Yes, it's a work of God. Yes, it's a work of grace. But you have to want that. You have to participate in the renewing of your mind. You have to participate in the putting off of old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt with deceitful desires. And be renewed in the spirit of your minds. Put on the new self. Let me just do do this again. Sorry. Somebody like, I just need to get him a coat. Put on 
Everybody say, put on. Put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You see, when you're developing the mind of Christ, you're going to grow, like we said last week, in not just compassion, but in holiness. Let me say that again. When you're allowing God to give you the mind of Christ, you will grow not just in your compassion level, how compassionate you are towards hurting people or towards lost people, but you will grow in your holiness. What I mean by that is your set apart for Godness. Your I'm set, I'm, I'm set apart as God's. I'm set apart for God. Come on, right? Did you notice those action verbs? Be renewed. Put off your old self. Why? So you can think right because you won't act right until you think right. You won't behave until you believe. Matthew twenty two thirty seven. 37, when Jesus was questioned by the expert in Jewish law, what is the greatest commandment? Again, trying to trap Jesus. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and your mind. Ask the Lord to renew your mind as you read scripture every day. I've got my kids reading uh, Psalm 139 right now which I don't think we realized was so long until we printed it out. You know, We put it out, and we're like, memorize that. I'm like, wow, a little intense. We sharpied out the part about you know, our enemies being eaten by vicious dogs or something, but all the, all the good stuff. No, but uh, it's powerful when we renew our minds, right? And when we repeat these scriptures, Right, that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, that how precious are your thoughts towards me. You see, if I can get my kids to know how deeply they are loved, they won't go out searching for love in the wrong places. Parents, I hope you're listening. Give your kids the mind of Christ. I didn't, I didn't have this in my sermon, and so I'm just trusting this is the Holy Spirit right now. If you're a parent, would you just raise your hand? If you're a parent or a grandparent, yeah, it's a lot of you. How many by a raise of hands would say, I would like to save my children or grandchildren some grief in their future? Would you just raise your hands? Then give them the mind of Christ by teaching them scripture. Amen? Give them the mind of Christ by teaching them scripture. So the mind of a beloved son. Turn with, you, turn with me to John 7, 28. John 7, 28. And I want you to notice what Jesus says about being a beloved son. And I won't have this scripture on the uh, screen because it's a lot of scripture. And I didn't want to overwhelm my tech team. John 7, beginning in 28. I want you to listen to the words Jesus uses to describe what he's doing and why. Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, you know me and you know where I come from, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true, and in him you don't know. I know him, for I come from him. He sent me. How many heard all those hymns and he's and hymns and he's, right? We're only two verses in. So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Many of the people believed in him. They said, when Christ appears... Will he do more signs than this man has done? Skip down to verse 37. 
On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now he said this about the spirit whom those believed were to receive. They were about to receive, right? Pastor Ed just talked about it, that he breathed this spirit on his disciples and they became the the ecclesia. I'm speaking Spanish on accident. The church, right? Now this he said about the spirit who they received and were about to receive. For as the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Chapter 8. But when Jesus went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him and he sat down and he taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, placing her in the midst. And they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Notice they were trying to shame her. Notice, what, what did we talk about the last two weeks, right? Comparison says, I'm going to bring shame to others. I'm better than you. I'm going to bring shame to others. That means you're missing the compassion, completely missing the heart of God. Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Well, what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down, wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to him, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. How many guys are going to ask Jesus what he wrote when you get to heaven, right? Sometimes I just think he wrote, losers, walk away. No, he didn't write that. I don't know what he wrote. Sorry, that's my youth pastor kicking in. But when they, when they heard it again, they went away one by one, dropping their stones. Now, notice this, beginning with the older ones. You know why? The older you are, the more you realize you're a sinner in need of compassion. Often, the younger you are, the quicker you are to judge. Notice it says, they drop their stones, the older ones first. You guys ever heard that little statement, right? When I was young, I knew all things. My dad knew nothing. When I was middle-aged, I thought, my dad's not half bad. And when I was an adult and older man, I realized my dad was the smartest man in the world, right? You guys ever heard that phrase? Wow. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are your accusers? No one has condemned you. She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more. And remember, what the gospel doesn't say is that you can sin. He says, go and sin no more. But his heart is not to shame her. It's to love her into truth. You see, it's his kindness that brings you to repentance. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. And Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true for I know where I came from. Let me pause. Do you know where you came from? Do you know whose you are? Do you have the mind of Christ that Jesus has given you his righteousness? For if he is righteous, you are then righteous, Paul talks about. This is like the whole book of Romans is that you could not complete the law. You could not. Therefore, God in his grace gives you his righteousness. And what is is the work? That you believe. That you just 
believes. This is why he says, you judge according to the flesh, but I judge no one. But even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I who judge alone, but the Father who sent me. Again, his identity was wrapped up in one thing, sonship. Jesus knew who he was. Do you know who you are? You can always withstand criticism and scrutiny when you know who you are. You won't withstand criticism and scrutiny when you don't know who you are. When you believe that your identity is tied to your performance, your identity is not tied to your performance or to the degree on the wall. Your identity is found in Christ alone. That's why we're going to sing that song in a couple minutes when we close. In Christ alone. Your identity is found as a beloved son. Wow. In the law, it's written that the testimony of two people is true, and I am the one who bears witness about myself. The father who sends me is the other witness. And they said to him, well, where is your father? And Jesus said, you know neither me nor my father. There's that word father again. If you knew me, you would know my father. I think he's making a point. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not come. So he said to them again, I'm going away. You will seek me and you'll die in your sin. Wow. Where I'm going, you cannot come. You see, he knew they were rejecting him and they weren't willing to repent. So the Jews said, will he kill himself since he says, where am I going? You cannot come. And he said to them, you are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins unless you believe. Everybody say believe. Unless you believe that I am he. So they said to him, well, then who are you? <laughs> he just told him 20 times. <laughs> he literally just said, Pastor Ed, have you... You just told him 20 times, I came from the Father, right? This is who I am. And they said, well, then who are you? Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, I have much to say about you, much to judge. But he who sent me is true, and I declare to you the world that I have heard from him that did not understand that he had been speaking to him about the Father. I would say the Father. So Jesus said to him, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, you will know that I am he and I do nothing on my own authority, but speak as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. As he said these things, many believed in him. I know that was a lot of scripture, but I want you to understand something. There is a washing of the word happens as we read scripture together. Jesus, listen, Jesus is the, is the most amazing I almost said thing, but you get what I mean. The amazing thing that could ever happen to you is knowing Jesus. He is the perfect image of the invisible God. And for you, for you to know who you are, you have to first know who he is. To get the mind of Christ, to step into your identity that you are fully loved. Guys, I'm telling you, you're fully loved. Why do you think when Jesus stepped in, into his ministry, what did the Father do as he was baptized? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Evie, this is why God says, this is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. 
Grace, this is my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Elijah, I'm proud of you. This is my beloved son. You see, if you don't realize how beloved you are, how loved you are, that you are a loved son, a loved child of God, then you will try so hard and you'll strive and you'll strive and you'll strive and all that will leave you is worn out and full of anxiety. I hope you're hearing me, but there will be a big, fat, cheesy smile on your face if you will realize how loved you are. See a smile on Mick's face? That's exactly what I, the one I'm talking about. He just fell off a ladder and he's smiling ear to ear. Will, can you come on up? We're going we're gonna to sing this song in a minute. If you guys could stand up to your feet. I want to make an opportunity for you to give your heart to this Jesus I've been telling you about. He is the one who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Why? To save you. To save you. And like we said, we can't say that we're not a, a sinner because Romans 6 told us we're a sinner. Isaiah told us we're a sinner. God's word tells us that our hearts are bent towards evil at all times until we come to Jesus. Until we come to Jesus and we let him give us the mind of Christ so we can start to think right. We can think through the lens of compassion. If you're having constant trouble at work, constant strife in your home, constant strife with the neighbor, then you have to ask yourself, where's the strife coming from? Maybe it's right here. Maybe it's right there between your ears, and God can deliver you, you, deliver, uh, deliver you from that this morning. Amen? Amen? He can set your mind at ease and give you peace, giving the assurance of his grace that you are loved, that you're loved, that you were loved 20 years ago. Sir, ma'am, you were loved when you were an addict. Whether you were addicted to alcohol or addicted to shopping, let's be real. There's a lot of addictions out there. I've had a number of couples in my office. That, that needs to be a new program, AAA for shopping. All of us have our issues. Come on. And you can't look around and say, oh, thank God I'm not an addict. You're, you're missing the point of the sermon series all four weeks. You need to say, wait a minute, what's my, what am I doing where I'm not realizing God's amazing compassion for me? Lord, remind me of the sin that could have taken me to a place where, I was le- where I'd be left in jail if it wasn't for you, God. Come on, would you just put your hands on your heart right now? If you're in this place and you need to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, if you're tuning in online and you're at home right now or maybe you're watching on your phone and you need to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I want to give you that opportunity. Do you want to have true peace? Do you want to know the living God, creator of the universe? Do you want to know the God who loves you so much he sacrificed his own son so that you could know him, so that you could be a brother or a sister of Jesus, so that you could be in the family of God? If that's you, would you raise your hand nice and high? Amen. I see that hand. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. 
Thank you, Lord. Let's pray right now with this young man and anybody else that's on the line, uh, online. I want you to pray this prayer out loud with me if you're receiving Christ. Dear Lord, forgive me. I am a sinner. I see today my need, my need for your grace, for your compassion, and for your love. I never saw it so clear before. I'm a sinful man in need of your grace. Forgive me of every sin. Wash me clean and invite me into your family. Thank you for calling me loved. Thank you for calling me loved. Thank you for making me part of your family. And thank you for the promise of heaven. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, can we give a big shout of praise for our young man receiving Christ today? Come on, give God a praise. Jesus, we thank you. All of heaven is celebrating. All of heaven is celebrating. God, we worship you. We thank you that our identity, our joy does not come in our performance, God, but it comes in your grace. It comes through Christ and Christ alone. Let's sing this together. As we sing this, uh, just received a message and I felt that there was a grace this morning, even with uh, without us coming up front and laying hands to receive healing. So if you need a physical healing this morning, as we're celebrating and as we're singing, receive it in the name of Jesus. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song, this cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease, my comforter. My all in all, here in the love of Christ, I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in help, this babe, this gift of love. Righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid, here in the death of Christ.
think about this. Then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. For I am his, and he is mine, bought with the precious blood. You know, I want to leave you with this reminder that some of you may hear a sermon like this today and you say, but there are times when I think wrong. There are times when I rush to judgment. There are times when I realize, oh man, I was just mean to someone in my mind. And, and I'm going to tell you something. That's because you're still being saved. Paul says, I'm once saved and I'm being saved. 1 Corinthians uh, 3, 18 says it like this, that daily we are being formed into the image of Christ, transformed from one glory to glory to glory. Trust me, you're a lot nicer than you used to be. Come on. Why? Your mind is being renewed. And he says, until the perfect comes. So yes, you're not perfect yet, but there will be a day when you will behold him. And scripture says, when you behold him, you will be like him. Wow. Perfectly pure, perfectly righteous. And God is transforming you. He's renewing your mind. So I want to say this, let him do the work. Amen. Let him do the work. Let him give you the mind of Christ. Sorry I saw spit come out of my mouth like 10 times today. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if the lights are brighter. I don't know. But maybe I'm just extra excited today. Um, listen, I bless you. Would you put your hands out? I just want to bless you. Father, I bless them with the mind of Christ. I bless them with the mind of Christ, that they would think like you want them to think. God, so often our heart, it's like it's in the right place, but then we have bad thinking habits habits that we learned from our parents. God, break them today in Jesus' name. May they think the way you think. When you see, I'm sorry, when they see someone who is hurting, may they see them the way you see them. May they offer prayer for healing. When they see someone who is out of work, may they bring them a meal and a big fat check because that's what you would do. God, when they see someone who is discouraged, may they notice and give them encouragement, God, because you're giving them the mind of Christ. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Have a great week.